Good morning, everybody. I'm, I'm boiling, so I'm going to take this off, but I haven't tucked in my wire properly, so if I end up like a tin of spaghetti, forgive me. <laughs> I thought I'd hide it behind there, but it's everywhere. Right. Good morning. So, here we are. We've got on our second of our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to look at three little words today with great significance. Your kingdom come in our second. Now, of course, God communicates to us and has communicated through, to us through many ways. He spoke to us directly. He spoke to Abraham directly. He spoke to Moses directly. He spoke to his people through the prophets. He spoke to us through his messengers, the angels. And by his word become flesh through Jesus Christ himself. And now he speaks to us mainly through his word, made alive and applied through his Holy Spirit. But he gave us one way to communicate back to him, prayer. And so it's really important, this is our way to communicate back to our God. So when Jesus says, this then is how you should pray, it's good that we take note. So when preparing for this message and studying the Lord's Prayer in its entirety, I was overcome with just how many ways you can look at this as a whole prayer. So many. I think Graham mentioned last week, he showed us last week that we can look at it with three Ps. It shows us how to look at it with priority, patience, and in petition. And as I was preparing, I was reading John MacArthur mentions a way of looking at this prayer as entirety, and I found it really helpful. Perhaps you already know it already, but the way to look at it is the multifaceted relationship we have with God as believers and Christians. So he said it this way. When we pray our Father, we remember our father-child relationship. When we pray hallowed be your name, we've got a deity-worshipper relationship. When we pray your kingdom come, we've got a sovereign-subject relationship. It will be done, a master-servant relationship. Give us this day your daily bread a benefactor-beneficiary relationship. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. A saviour-sinner relationship. And lead us not into temptation. A guide and a pilgrim relationship. So many different relationships we've got with our Father. I thought it was a great way to, uh, to look at it. Another commentary shows how, as we look at this, it shows us how, in what spirit, in what attitude we should be praying to our, to our Father. So, As we pray our Father, our, we should pray with an unselfish spirit. Hallowed be your name, a reverent spirit. Your kingdom come, a loyal spirit. Your will be done, a submissive spirit. Give us this day, a dependent spirit. Forgive us our debts, a penitent spirit. Lead us not into temptation, a humble spirit. Yours is the kingdom, a confident spirit. The power and the glory, a triumphant and exultant spirit. And I thought it was really good to look at that prayer as a whole and all these multifaceted ways we can look at it. Jesus, as he said it, what a rich source of teaching he he gave us, not just as a prayer. So as we look now at just three words in that prayer, your kingdom come, we can be sure that there's more going on within these three words than what first we see. Graham helpfully taught us last week that these petitions at the start of the prayer should be and are linked with on earth as it is in heaven. So our Father, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Or as Graham rightly put it, as in heaven, so on earth. 
And it's good to keep that in mind as we proceed. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He also mentioned how important and crucial prayer was to Jesus, shown by just how many times Jesus was praying and in how many different situations. He's always praying. That's how important it was to him. Well, going on this as a guide and a measurement, we can see just how important the kingdom was to Jesus Christ. Very important indeed. In the 28 chapters of Matthew alone, Jesus mentions the kingdom on a teaching point 51 times in 28 chapters. He mentions about the kingdom in a teaching point. Right at the start of his ministry, we hear from Mark. He records the first words coming out of Jesus as he begins his ministry. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus rose from the dead, we read in Acts, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. In Luke, Luke records what Jesus says. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. That was Jesus' mission, to preach the kingdom of God. Pretty much all of Matthew 13 is given to Jesus' parables and teaching of the kingdom. Nearly every parable starts with the words, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he goes on to explain, and we'll touch on a few of those a bit later. So with the importance Jesus makes of the kingdom, it's no wonder then that we see it within the prayer that he gives us as a guide on how to pray. Your kingdom come. Three words, easy to say. But what do they mean? Well, let's focus on kingdom. Your kingdom come. In the Greek, basileia. Hopefully I got that right, Graham. Basileia. And that has, basileia, it has the meaning of ruling and reigning so royal ruling and reigning is happening that's what kingdom means in the in the greek and every time it appears in the new testament actually so the kingdom of god is anywhere that god is ruling and reigning anywhere where his laws are being obeyed and he is being recognized as the king with worship in obedience so when taught to pray with the words your kingdom come jesus is saying when you pray Have the mindset of a loyal subject to your king. Whatever words you use, your mind and heart are yearning and calling out, your rule and reign, come now, Lord, your rule and reign. I want to obey my king, for I know he rules rightly, fairly, justly, and lovingly for my good and his glory. And what about the word come? Ehome. Now come... As, it's got, as, as it appears in the Lord's Prayer, can be said to appear, to become known, to show itself, to be established. So in the context of this prayer, our Father, the King of the universe, your rule and reign be established, become visible. But these, this prayer has no meaning at all by just saying these words. It would have no meaning at all apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel simply put, the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's the good news of Jesus, the Savior coming, taking our punishment of death as outright rebels to the king, so we can enter into the kingdom instead of living in expulsion, living under the curse. See, there's no way of entering the eternal kingdom without becoming a loyal subject. And that can only come as we cast our sins onto Jesus. 
past, present and future, with repentant hearts. Knowing that until the kingdom is finally established here on earth, we will continually wrestle with our fleshly sins and desires. We will sin, but the heart of repentance, that's what needs to be as we're praying your kingdom come and be in his kingdom. It's a telltale sign of being in the kingdom, having a repentant heart. It's a spiritual decision to get into that kingdom. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. When Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, we hear this, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless born of water, representing washing clean, being washed clean, and the Spirit given a new life, a new spiritual law and guide in our hearts, God himself inside us. So it's completely interlinked. The kingdom and the gospel, absolutely interlinked. And let's check out a few verses in Acts where we can see that, see that being mentioned, see that in action as, as the preaching goes on. So in Acts 8.12 we read, But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom and the name of Jesus. So he's preaching the gospel, but it's interlinked with the kingdom of God. Paul, uh, in Ephesus, we, we read, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly about the kingdom of God. doesn't even mention Jesus there. But of course, he would have been mentioning Jesus. Totally interlinked. Again, right at the end of Acts, we read of Paul, the, the last verse. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus with all boldness, without hindrance. Completely interlinked. So the kingdom of God is where God is reigning and ruling and seen to be ruling and reigning. And I think as we think about that, we can give us, we think about the Lord's Prayer, four ways in which we can pray, your kingdom come, those three little words. So first of all, we can pray it individually. We can pray it personally. It's a prayer of where our hearts are as Christians. It's a prayer of wanting to be under this wonderful, good God's laws so that he can rule and reign in my life. Your kingdom come more and more. Not my kingdom come, your kingdom come. It's a prayer of now I've tasted the kingdom, got to know the king, I realize nothing else matters. I said I'd touch on Matthew and his parables on the kingdom. So a couple of small parables here that Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had. So when you meet Jesus and you find out about him, and he comes into your life. You meet the king and all the goodness he brings. He's more valuable than anything else. That's why we want to pray, your kingdom come. I found the most important thing in my life. Nothing else matters but becoming a subject in your kingdom. It's a prayer of accepting that while we remain in our sinful fleshly bodies, we'll never be perfect. But we long for that and strive for that perfection, repenting, after our failures, your kingdom come. Please rule and reign in me on earth as it will be in heaven. And it should be coming seen. It should become invisible to others as they see us. 
I was just going to chuck up a couple of, or one diagram, Graham. If I, it's just a little way that we see in tracks and things like that. So as Christ is ruling, as, he, as his kingdom is beginning to rule in your life, this is imperfection. But can you see some of these in your life? Are you full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness? Is your life Christ-centered? Do you feel empowered by the Holy Spirit? Do you introduce others to Christ? Do you have an effective prayer life? Do you understand God's word? Do you want to get into God's word? Do you trust God? Do you obey God? And then there's the alternate to that. There we go. So the self-directed life. You're still a Christian, but are, do you see any of the, do you recognize any of these creeping in to your life where all of a sudden the S representing self, you're beginning to sit on the throne of your life rather than Christ. Your kingdom's beginning to reign a little bit stronger. So do you have a legalistic attitude, impure thoughts, jealousy, guilt, worry, discouragement, critical spirit, frustration, aimlessness, fear, ignorance, unbelief, disobedience, loss of love for God and others, poor prayer life, and no desire for Bible study? I'm sure we've all got some of these, but there's the balance there, aren't there? Who's sitting on the throne of our lives? Whose kingdom? Are we praying, your kingdom come in my life, Lord? Thanks, Graham. So that's one way to pray it, individually and personally. A second way we can pray it is corporately as the church. Our Father, isn't it? Our Father is a prayer to be said corporately. So as the church, our Father, your kingdom come. Your rule and reign be shown, be shown by and within the community of believers, of your chosen people to re- represent and partner with you right here, right now in Abbey Church. To give a glimpse of what the community of believers will be like on earth as it is in heaven. It's nothing new. God has always used people to represent him and picture him. Or picture heaven on earth or his sovereign rule on earth. We go right back to Genesis. Adam and Eve. He created them in his image. And what was his command to them? He blessed them and told them, go and rule over creation. You be the ruler. Rule over the birds and the fish, and the animals. Just picture that sovereignty of God on earth. What about the nation of Israel? In many ways, the nation of Israel was to picture heaven on earth to the surrounding nations as they obeyed his laws and his kingly requirements. Now, I know I promised Graham I wouldn't mention Leviticus, but I'm going to mention Leviticus. I always do. So in Leviticus, we see, before they have reached Jerusalem, They're the camp of God's chosen people. And within that camp, God himself is at the center, portrayed as king. It's a mini picture of the kingdom. The Ark of the Covenant is a throne with the mercy seat. It's his throne amongst his people. It's showing his mercy to his people through the means of a sacrifice, a sacrificial system. The Israelites were worshiping their king by thanking him for releasing them from slavery in Egypt repenting in sacrifice they pictured a holy place where no unrepentant breaker of the holy king's laws could enter you get some really strange and horrible uh, stories in leviticus you get somebody stoned to death for just picking up sticks on the sabbath day it's because the kingdom of god is holy and pure no unpure person with an unrepentant heart could enter it had to be gone 
See, God used uh, leprosy, infectious skin diseases, to represent sin. And if you were found to have leprosy within inside that camp, you were ejected out of that camp because it represented unpurity within the kingdom of God. They stuck out like a sore thumb to the other nations. Another little law, a silly little law perhaps that you hear, is do not cook a goat in its mother's milk. Real strange law. But it was to make them different because the surrounding nations were doing that. They wanted to be different, holy, set apart from all the other nations. They needed to be in the world, but not of it. A picture of God's kingdom. And this is how we are to pray as a church. Your kingdom come. Let your rule and reign be visible to others as we represent your kingdom. On earth as it is in heaven. Let mercy, grace and love abound within us. Let you be the center of all you do. Let you be the center of our worship. Let your sacrifice for us be remembered at all times and pictured at all times. Help us to hold fast to your royal laws, your holy laws, to keep us from being like the surrounding community. But help us to be a light to that community. Your kingdom come, Lord, in Abbey Church. Just as in Old Old Testament times, in Exodus we read God saying, If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession and a kingdom of priests, a holy nation to others. And that's applied to us as a church too. In Revelation we hear this, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. So we can pray, your kingdom come as a church. The third way, we can pray it missionally, evangelically. Your kingdom come to more and more people, Lord. Your rule and reign, be active and visible to more and more people in more and more places, Lord. Let your kingdom come now and spread and grow, Lord. Help us to continue Jesus' mission of preaching the good news of his gospel and the kingdom to others, Lord. And we can pray that again individually and also as a church as we do that. And finally, we can pray with the end times in mind. When we can pray that when there be a time, there'll be no longer any need to pray this prayer because Jesus Christ's kingdom will have come on earth as it is in heaven. Because this prayer will eventually be fulfilled. And on that day, there won't be two kingdoms. There will, no, no, there will be no more kingdom of darkness. Just be one kingdom. Jesus explains it whilst explaining his parable of the weeds growing amongst the wheat. There's a now but not yet to pray him for the kingdom. So as he explains it, I won't read the parable of the wheat, but I'll read his explanation. Again, we find it in Matthew 13, verses 37 to 43. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them 
into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So there's a now but not yet, but we need to pray that the not yet will become now. Your kingdom come. So when we pray your kingdom come, we pray for a longing of the kingdom of God to be completely and utterly established on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus comes again, the kingdom will have come. He says when talking about the sheep and the goats, to those whose names are written in the book of life as he separates the sheep from the goats, then they will say, then he will say to those on his right, come, take your inheritance, the kingdom of God, prepared for you since the creation of the world. And we get pictures of exactly what that's going to be like when he comes again. We get pictures and glimpses when Jesus came the first time. So Jesus, when he came the first time, he calmed the storm. He reigns over natural creation. Do you want an end of natural disasters? Pray, your kingdom come. Jesus healed the sick, the blind, the lame. Jesus reigns over sickness. Do you want an end to sickness, disease, and suffering? Pray, your kingdom come. Jesus awoke people from death. Jesus rose from death himself. Do you want to see an end of death? Pray your kingdom come. Do you want to see the creation working in harmony as God created it to be? Do you want to see the wolf with the lamb, the snake and the young child playing together, the cow and the bear together, the harmony of creation? Pray your kingdom come. I look at poor man as I say this. Do you want to see an end to theological debate. <laughs> As we like jousting now and again. Do you want to see an end to theological debate? Do you want to see an end to the denominations of the church and one church in unity? In, uh, in Corinthians, Paul writes, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears and there will be unity of believers. We will know then pray your kingdom come. In Zechariah, Zechariah we, we hear, on that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem. On that day, the Lord will be king over all the earth. Do you want this? Do you want this? Are we waiting in joyful awe and anticipation for this? As we come to the end just read a couple of passages very well known to most but I'm just going to read a few sections of the end of Revelation do we want to pray your kingdom come as we as we think about this so and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And again, in Revelation 22, we read, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And again, Behold, Jesus says, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. And as a church, can we, can we pray this? The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And then John writes, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray now for, for a few different things. We pray for the unbeliever, if there's an unbeliever in our midst. We pray that their heart will sing out and their prayer will be, your kingdom come in my life right now. I can't rule my life correctly. I need saving, Lord. I need you to be sat on the throne of my life. And we pray that now, Lord. To the believer, we pray, your kingdom come. Help me to become more and more of a loyal sub subject, Lord. Help me to obey your royal laws. Help me to show your kingdom at work in my life more and more. As the church, we pray, your kingdom come. Help Abbey Church to reflect your kingdom to our community. Help us to live as a family of the kingdom. Help us to have the courage to be holy and set apart from the world. Help us to proclaim and live out the good news of the kingdom and add to its number for your glory and your name. Your kingdom come, Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to... As we finish, we're going to sing a song that we sing at Christmas. But reading the words, it's not a Christmas song at all. It's a song that we will sing, believers will sing when Christ comes again. We're going to sing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her King. Let's stand to sing. Thank you.